Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Well, Luke, as a lifetime Patriots fan, I, I have to say I'm stunned to see Tom Brady play like complete ass in the first half against Matt Ryan and the Falcons, fall behind big in the third quarter, and then rip their freaking hearts out. I mean, who could have predicted that, Luke? I Who could have predicted that? I feel like feel like everybody. That's <laughs> it uh, so obvious, isn't it? That's what was coming. I love the, uh, the meme that's already going around about him, you know, sitting on the sidelines, on the bench, looking crestfallen. If, if you ever see Tom Brady looking like this, boy, it's over for you. <laughs> oh my god so halftime this is a true story bucks are down 17 nothing they're getting the ball to start the third quarter and the live money line for the bucks was at plus 290 and i put it out there on twitter i'm like we all know what's going to happen here it's matt ryan and the falcons are talking about who's coming with me who's going to pl- place a bet on this game so at plus 290 for those listening that may not be super into gambling uh you place a hundred dollar bet on the bucks to win at that moment on the money line if they come back and win, you get paid three hundred and ninety for a profit of two hundred and ninety dollars. I shared that on Twitter, and Luke, the only thing I'm pissed about is that I only bet twenty five dollars myself. I did not put a hundred dollars on it. I only put twenty five. I'm not a wealthy man, okay. But uh, just case in point, I just felt like there was no way the Bucks were going to continue to play like that. And that opening drive, third quarter. They go right down the field and score. You're like, you kind of sense what was coming, right? Yeah, I, I think that it, it, it was a perfect scenario where complimentary football is not just a cliche. You know, we, we hear coaches and players talk about that every day. But, you know, yes, Tom Brady had to go out and lead the, the Bucks on five straight scoring drives. Four of those were touchdowns. And yes, that happened. But when you're down three scores, that only matters if the defense pulls its weight, if the defense does its job. And so for the defense to play so poorly in the first half, make Matt Ryan look like he was in his prime again, and then to come back in the second half, not only does the offense put up 31 points in the second half, which is the most of any team, that's put up any in any first half or second half uh, this season. I think the previous high was 29 by the Cowboys against the Falcons, by the way. Um, <laughs> Poor Falcons, man. But but the defense also gave up only 10 points. And, you know, Devin White came up with three sacks all in the fourth quarter. Uh, the defense showed up to play. So, I mean, complimentary football, every, you know, both sides of the ball have to work together when you're down by three scores. And everything just came together for the Bucks. I still don't understand why they can't play like that for for 60 minutes but man they they played they played like it for 30 and it was enough against a really bad team why do you think the bucks are, are sucking so bad early in these games though luke and are you worried that these slow starts could you know spell a fatal flaw when they're playing a good team in the playoffs and not the falcons you know what i mean like how concerned should we be about the way they're coming out out of the gate i i guess the only the only thing that should give bucks fans hope is that if you go back to, to what was it week four week five against green bay you know they're playing against one of the best teams in the league they played terribly for that first quarter they were down 10 nothing they had punted twice Packers had scored on both of their drives and then they went out and outscored them 30 nothing the rest of the way (laughs) so it it can be done against the best teams it's just you have to be really careful when you're playing that And, and the only thing maybe other than that is that maybe it's just you know galaxy brain level gamesmanship by Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles to just do this until you get to the playoffs and then decide, okay, now we got in the door and now we can actually purposely play four quarters of good football and win a Super Bowl. If that ends up happening, man, boy, that's, that's, that's elite uh, level uh, gamesmanship on the part of the coaches. That, that's all. That's the only explanation I have right now is the way this team is so talented, has such, you know, star power, even in the coaching ranks and can't, 
seem to get out of their own way in the first quarter. They're literally maybe the worst first quarter team in the NFL, there's and they're no somehow still nine and five. I don't get it. No, there's no doubt about it. It's it's been a thing all year, and you would just love to see them come out and just take control of a game from the beginning. I know that's how Brady loves to play football. That hasn't been the way they've been playing football though. But speaking of the coaching, I, I love. I know you touched upon this uh, last week in our podcast, but. The whole like ghosts of coaches past for the Bucks in this game, Raheem Morris and Dirk Cutter, right? I mean, both former Bucks head coaches. You wrote about this on the Bucks Wire recently, I think this week after the game. How much do you think that actually played a factor? I kind of just glossed over that, I think, going into the game. But do you think Morris and Cutter had something to do with that first half, the way it went for the Bucks, And do you think they kind of had the Bucks adjusting like big time there at halftime? I mean, I definitely think from their perspective, you, you whether you want to admit it or not, there's always got to be a little extra edge there, right? You've got to go out and you got to say, hey, this team fired the both of us. You know, we, we, you know, Raheem Morris and Dirk Cutter both spent three seasons each as the head coach. They each had a winning season, something that doesn't happen very often in this, in this uh, place uh, in, in terms of the NFL. But, you know, there's no way you don't go into that matchup saying, Hey, I'm going to show these guys, I'm going to stick it to these guys. They, you know, they gave up on me. I'm going to prove them wrong. And I tell you what, after two quarters, it sure looked like, I mean, and I, this is the reason I wrote that article, Ryan, is because I tweeted out about halfway through the second quarter, I think it was like 2 p.m., you know, the fact that the Bucks were getting outcoached by those two guys is pretty fitting. Yes. Uh, and still, to this day, I mean, we're, what, it's Tuesday, so I'm still getting tweets, responses to that tweet saying, oh, this aged pretty well, well isn't Buc- it? Oh. Yeah, Bucks fans love to do that, by the way. They love uh, to great, go back but, and be like, hey, Luke, that didn't age well. Uh-huh. You know, and they love you know, and I, wrote, I wrote that article and made sure to include that tweet and say, hey, you guys are completely right and i love and again that's what people forget sometimes is that i'm i'm a lifelong fan of this team like i love when i say bad things and i'm wrong about them like but you weren't wrong i they did outcoach the bucks in the first half they that's did all you said for 30 minutes it was, it was the first half. yeah at that point in the game it was absolutely true and good on the bucks for making the adjustments necessary uh to avoid being haunted by those uh those ghosts of the coaches past during <laughs> christmas week man i loved it yeah that was that was good stuff that was good stuff so did the bucks have some snubs on the pro bowl it's a really good team a lot of talent on both sides of the ball obviously but only one player on the pro bowl from the bucks let's talk about that coming up next fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends sit them start them these are the fantasy picks of the week it will kill me if this game ends in a tie i need this win this game's pretty much done with Corey bonini from the huddle.com Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays in the championship round for most leagues. Derek Carr left last week with a groin injury that was deemed a one to two week situation, but he's been splitting first team reps with Marcus Mariota. For all of the on-paper upgrades Miami made in the offseason, it has struggled to contain competent quarterbacks, especially dual threats. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. All of them trounced this group, and even rookie quarterback Justin Herbert found success. Mariota is the better recommendation in the event he starts, just because we don't know what to expect from Carr's injury. But the matchup is right for either player. Sticking with the same matchup, but on the other side of the coin, running back Lynn Bowden of the Miami Dolphins takes on the team that drafted him in the Raiders. Bowden is a running back receiver combo and can be flexed out into the slot. In fact, he does that more often than not. He's by far the most talented natural receiver out of this backfield. But keep in mind, he offers nothing from the running game perspective, with just three carries in the last three games. Injury question marks with Jakeem Grant, Devontae 
Parker and Mike Kosicki leave this passing game a little thin, so it will be all hands on deck. The Raiders have given up five and a half receptions a game to running backs in 2020, and Bowden is poised to eclipse that mark. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson versus the Denver Broncos. Injuries have slowed receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and it opened the door for the explosive Johnson to see more action. His 12 targets in the last two games after only nine on the year entering week 14. There's a ton of risk here since he's a low volume, high yield type of player, but the Broncos have permitted 21 different efforts of at least 10 PPR points in 2020, and both Allen and Williams scored in the earlier meeting. Johnson is an intriguing flex flyer. Chicago Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Understand by starting him you're taking a tremendous amount of risk, and this is purely a flyer for a touchdown against a defense that has been atrocious at stopping tight ends in 2020. Only the Jets have allowed more touchdowns on the year to the position, and no team has given up scores at a higher frequency than once every 5.2 catches. But seven times the position has been held to 36 or fewer yards, which makes this the epitome of a gamble for a touchdown. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Luke, another interesting story you put out there on the Bucks Wire that I know the fans are enjoying is who on the Bucks got snubbed? You actually had a list of like over 10 players that could potentially be, uh, you know, an argument could be made that they got snubbed. And that's just the thing. The Bucks have so many good players on both sides of the ball that you're going to have snubs no matter what. We know that JPP made the list. No other Bucks made the list, though. And that is surprising, especially for, you know, that second level of, de- of the defense. Um, you know some great linebackers and, and even the corners. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of second guessing to go on. What was the most egregious to you? That maybe the the number one most egregious Buccaneer that should have been on the Pro Bowl that didn't make it. First of all, let me preface this by saying every fan base, every team is raging about their snubs. Right? I mean, that's just that's a, a pastime tale as old as time. Everybody has like the the same level of energy for this right like i can't believe player x didn't make it and player y did oh my god so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take part in that it's the the season right i'm just gonna take part in that and also let's let's acknowledge that the pro bowl is ridiculous and the pro bowl is not even gonna be played this year they're not even gonna have an actual game which is why (laughs) if you want to get into it the reason that it matters is is that hall of fame voters care about it and it's tied to contracts. We, there are contract clauses and escalator clauses. People get paid more if they get it. So it's, it should be stupid. It should be pointless. But until it is, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get angry about it because that's what matters. Of course. Um, I, I think the most egregious one is, is probably Devin White. I mean, 130 tackles. I think he's third in the NFL. He's got eight sacks as an inside linebacker. I mean, that's just insane. When the Bucks drafted him fifth overall, people were like, oh, why did you, this is me including including myself here. You know, why are you drafting an inside linebacker in the top five? He can't make enough of an impact. And they were adamant, like, we think as a pass rusher in particular, he brings that that added element. You would, you'd never bat an eye at taking an edge rusher at five, right, if you think he can get after the quarterback. So what's sure. the difference with an inside linebacker? And, my God, he's got eight sacks. I mean, that's that's unheard of for a guy at his position. So, I mean, there are, there are other guys. Shaq Barrett has eight and a half sacks, I think, or, or eight sacks and, and leads the league in pressures levante david is just i mean he gets the routine call probably every year from the league that says hey congratulations on being the most underrated and underappreciated player in the nfl for the ninth year running yeah uh so he's probably expecting not to not to get voted in at this point carlton davis the corner i think all the rest of the league only saw him get torched by tyree kill and decided that was his entire season he's got four interceptions he leads the league in pass breakups with 18 when you're in this market in particular you're kind of used to your players getting overlooked. And I think a lot of people were hoping 
helping with the national profile that they have now with Tom Brady, the, the added national attention. People would finally get to look at how good these players are. And I guess that's just not it because they're nine and five. They're winning games. They're on national television. Yes, they haven't played their best football on national television, but it clearly doesn't matter that this team is winning and this team is full of stars because at the end of the day, the Pro Bowl voting process just doesn't care. So for me, with my Twitter feed being a lot of Patriots people and some a sprinkling of bucks, but a lot of Patriots, right, on my Twitter feed, people were uh, outraged that Brady didn't make the Pro Bowl. They thought, you know, the numbers he's put up at his age uh, deserve to be, you know, recognized over a guy like Kyler Murray. But you look at the stats with Brady and Kyler Murray side by side, and I don't even know if I can make a case for Brady. But I know he was number three. He was the number three most snubbed on the uh, on the Bucks Wire snub list that you put out there. So I wanted to get your take. Can you make a case for Brady over Murray? And we can kind of rattle off some of the stats. But what do you think about it, Luke? Uh, w- did Brady get snubbed? Here's the thing I'll say about my snubs list is it's very one-sided because <laughs> at no point in my list do I tell you who they should have made it over. I just wanted I just want to rage about who's not on the list. Right, That's yeah, very I was, easy. I was upset very about easy that. thing I to, to hear, do. Right? Yeah, I wanted to hear the commentary <laughs> there. I wanted to say like who who sucked and who, who would you not take out? Like, yes, yes. Let's not talk. No, let's not go there. Let's 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 not uh, let's not point out the fact that I would have to remove someone in order for. <laughs> These guys to make it's more work right. for you. It's Christmas because, week. Because again, that's that's the case at inside linebacker. In order for Devin White to make it, you got to take out Bobby Wagner. You got to take out Fred Warner, who, again, maybe not statistically on the same level as Devin White, but if you actually watch the football games, he's one of the best, if not the best player in the game, regardless of conference at that position. So it's hard to make those decisions, and I get it. But again, when you're a fan of the team, you get to rage when your guy doesn't make it. That's the way the world works. So with Brady, I mean, you just have to respect the fact that he's top five in in the entire NFL in yards, top five in touchdown passes a year after he threw only 24 touchdown passes. And everybody said he was washed up and couldn't produce, you know, those types of numbers, especially compared to Jameis Winston. Everybody's like, oh, Jameis threw for 33 touchdowns. You know, Brady's not going to be able to throw for more than 25. You know, Brady's about to eclipse that mark. He's going to have the most touchdown passes in a single season in Bucks history in his first season. He's only got, what, 11 interceptions, I think. So, I mean, Top five in yards and touchdowns at 43 years old, especially after all the, the crap, all the doubters were talking about during the offseason. I, I don't know if you can factor in his age when it comes to things like the Pro Bowl, but it, you know, it does have to be mentioned that the fact that he's still producing at this level, at this age, with a new team, with the offseason we didn't really have, you know, and, and all the, the continuity issues that they're having, the fact that he's still putting up these ridiculous numbers. He threw for 390. On Sunday, Ryan. I mean, it's a season high. 321 of that was in the second half, the most yards of any quarterback in any half uh, so far this season. I mean, it's just he's it's ridiculous the, the level to which he is silencing all those doubters who said that he could not go to Tampa and not just succeed, you know, in terms of where he leads this team, which he's obviously doing, but continue to put up numbers that we haven't seen from him since really earlier on in his Patriots career. He loves being down big in the third quarter to those Falcons, Luke. That's when you get the best of Tom Brady right there, man. It just, it just hey, good thing for the Bucks. The good thing yeah, for the Bucks man. is they got the Falcons next hey, week, 100, too. <laughs> 100%. And if they're down 17 nothing and a half, I'm betting that money line once again. Trust me. And I'll join you. I will <laughs> yeah. I will not make that mistake twice. Yeah, and I think where Brady gets screwed in the in the debate between him and Kyler Murray is obviously on the ground, right? Because Murray has seven hundred and forty one rushing yards and eleven right. rushing touchdowns. And Brady That's incredible. Brady's rushing statistics, not too bad this year, Luke. Twenty five He's got attempts. three touchdowns, right? He's got three touchdowns, I think. Twenty five attempts. 
three yards. I don't even know how that happened. That, are they factoring in the kneel downs? Hey, hey, yeah, you have to, right? You're winning games. You're kneeling the ball a lot. He's kneeling a lot more than Kyler Murray. So 25 attempts, three yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, so he's rushed for three scores. So I think that hurts Brady. Other than that, I think. Hey, that, hey what I heard, what I heard, Ryan, was a touchdown per yard. That's all yeah, I heard. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like me trying to manipulate my high school basketball stats, being like, see, I average right, exactly. one point per second, but I only played a couple seconds per game. Uh, but anyway. Who was the number one snub across the league? I saw a tweet from Packers Wire editor Zach Cruz. I might be able to answer this question for both of us. Evan Ingram of the Giants getting in at tight end, but Robert Tunyon of the Packers not, I thought might be the number one snub. But is there any other that like jumps right out at you, Luke, when you saw the rosters? It's hard to beat that one, man. That's I, I really don't. I mean, especially when you look at the fact that they're playing on a, a high-profile team that's the number one seed in the NFC. He's got Aaron Rodgers thrown to him. What else do you want from the guy? I mean, he's putting up prime elite Jimmy Graham type numbers in that offense. And you never had to worry about Jimmy Graham not making the pro bowl when that happens. So I don't get it. I mean, what a great story he's been this year. And and he, I I think, and this applies to Tunyon and probably a lot of other players. It'll be really interesting to see when the all pro teams come out, because that's always an interesting comparison between the pro bowl process and the all pro process to see how many of those players don't end up getting snubbed by what most people deem to be kind of the more prestigious honor in the all pro team. I I don't think he'll be missing on that list. We've talked a little bit about Brady's huge second half for the Bucks here in this win over the Falcons. We had a few AB sightings, especially a big catch. A big catch that actually goes for the winning touchdown. Let's talk about AB coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of BetSlip and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. It's week 16 of the NFL, and I'm joined again by Jeff Clark, my colleague. We're breaking down the Sunday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers. The Packers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites at Lambeau, minus 105 odds. The Titans on the road, plus three-and-a-half-point underdogs, minus 115 odds. Big game for both teams. Playoff implications all over the board here. Packers trying to hold on to the number one seed in the NFC. I'm on them to win by at least four points. Jeff, I think Matt LaFleur just gets his revenge against Tennessee Titans, even though things worked out pretty well for him. He can't be too angry at them. Yeah, I'm definitely sweating the Matt LaFleur uh, revenge game. To me, it's a toss-up with the offenses. It's a bit of a toss-up with the defense. I'm willing to concede Green Bay is a little bit better on the defensive end or more reliable. Uh, But the game just means more to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They haven't locked up anything at the AFC South, not an AFC wild card, whereas Green Bay has the NFC North all tucked away and could be looking ahead to the playoffs or just wanting to rest up, not giving a full effort. Uh, Give me the three plus the hook with the Titans. Luke, I had a feeling that AB's breakout game was coming. You just felt it. You know, you you take his target share over the last few weeks. You know, he's getting this. He's getting the looks. He hasn't really broken out yet. But when you look at the schedule, you see who the Bucks were playing coming up. All soft passing defenses, right? You just felt like it was coming. 
But the targets were really spread out in this game, right? Seven apiece for Evans, A.B., and Gronk. Five for Godwin. I'd love to see Godwin get more, but three for Scotty Miller. The rest go to the backs. I don't know. What do you think about A.B.? I know you wrote a couple weeks ago and ruffled some feathers around among Bucks Nation saying that the A.B. signing has made the team worse, but... At this point, we're pretty deep into this thing. He's keeping his nose clean, at least. He hasn't been arrested yet or anything. He's not been kicked off the team. He's playing every week, and now he's contributing in big ways, catching game-winning touchdowns. So what do you think? Have you softened that at all? Like, what do you, where, where are you at with AB right now? I mean, I guess the only thing I can say to Bucks Nation is you're welcome you fired for <laughs> providing the bulletin board material <laughs> yes, that he sir. obviously 100%. needed to, catch, yes. to have his breakout game. And, and you, know, you know, the crux of what I had written – uh, was just the, the lack of the big play, like you said, because and specifically because he was taking snaps away from Scotty Miller, who throughout the season has continued to be their best big play threat. And even I think it was two weeks ago against Minnesota, had one catch for 48 yards and a touchdown. Yep. And A.B. Yep. had five catches, I think, for 49 yards. So he was continuing to prove that, hey, I'm the big play guy. Keep me on the field. But A.B. AB showed up, man. There's no other way to say it. Uh, you know, five for 93. It's his best game as a buck. That big 46-yard touchdown, which was the game winner, you know, that's just that's validation for a guy that, again, has been you know adamant that he just wants a chance. He just wants to be part of a winning team and, and contribute and get another shot at this. And Tom Brady has obviously continued to vouch for him uh, in that way and listening to the both of them talk after the game about what that moment meant to be able to connect on that touchdown, not just in general, but because of when it happened in the game, the fact that it ended up being the game-winning score. I mean, you know, I, I I can't say anything other than the fact that, you know, what fans have wanted to see from him on the field is finally what came together on Sunday. He made, you know, multiple big catches that moved the chains in that game. And again, when it mattered most and they needed a big play, he showed up and gave it to him. So kudos to him for, for doing that. Again, hope that's something that continues uh, for this team because, again, they're going to need as many big plays as possible. If you look at some of the offenses, they're going to have to go up against it once they make the playoffs, if they make the playoffs. But again, I, no other way to slice it other than, you know, what what fans have been waiting for, what what we've been criticizing him for not bringing to the table yet. He heard and uh, he, he performed on Sunday. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that I don't have any beef with AB because on the field, he's not doing anything like antics wise body language wise that makes me feel like he's a bad teammate he hasn't done or said anything he's saying all the right things right and that was a vintage play well run route snagging that ball with speed and just plucking it out of the air I mean that's what we're used to seeing with AB so a little bit of a vintage moment I'm wondering now if he actually can keep his nose clean all the way through and actually try to like resurrect his career that would be that would be something that would be something because, boy, did he have a troubled, troubled situation before he came over to the Bucks. We'll see. That's that's an interesting story to follow. We'll definitely be following it. Uh, but speaking of the Bucks and their playoff hopes, Luke, it's pretty easy, right? The the whole the playoff calculator for the Bucks is basically beat the freaking Lions on Saturday and you're in and we don't have to goof around anymore. Right. So that's that's all it is. Just beat the Lions. Uh, not only that, Ryan, they've got a chance to beat the Lions and then beat the Falcons for a second time and secure that fifth seed that you and I have been talking about for about a month now, yeah. uh, about how important it might be to get that, that that fifth seed and make sure that you're going on the road to face whoever the, the NFC East opponent look, you know appears to be. Not that you know the Giants and Washington have both been, particularly on defense, playing really, really good football, and, and it's not like they're going to be a, a slouch. The Giants proved that with the way they played against uh, the Bucks on Monday night earlier this season. Uh, but when you compare that to the Packers or the Saints or even whoever wins the West, the, the the Rams or the Seahawks, 
you know, it definitely looks like you would still prefer to play that team. So all they have to do is take care of business, man. All they got to do is go win these two games against two teams they should absolutely beat. Uh, one of them's on the road in Detroit this week. It's on a Saturday, national TV. Hopefully, since it's at 1 p.m., a time in which they are undefeated this year, will counteract the fact that they have absolutely sucked on national television <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Um, hopefully, those things will meet in the middle and they'll be able to handle business. So look back to last year. The Bucks played the Lions on the road last year late in the season around the same exact time uh, and they beat him pretty good. Matthew Stafford wasn't playing in that game, but the Bucks had no Tom Brady in that game either. And a lot of guys that, that, that weren't on the team then that are now. So yeah, you're right. It's simple Win and you're in uh, Win this week and next week. And you've got that five seed. And again, you know, definitely important for Bucks fans to keep that in perspective. Yes. There's a bigger goal. Yes. You know, it's super bowl or bust with Tom Brady, but you know, be nice to the Bucks fans who realize that they haven't won a playoff game since they won the super bowl in 2002, 2003. They haven't won a play. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2000. 2007, 13 years, second longest drought in the league to the Browns, who are obviously, you know, looking like they're going to break theirs too. Um, so no matter what, you know, what Bruce, Bruce Arians said it th- this week, these are hat and T-shirt games. Uh, you know, win, win Saturday and you got yourself a hat and a T-shirt and you're going to the postseason. Yeah, Brady has a few of those uh, division championship hat and T-shirts somewhere. Pro- they're probably they're probably in some other country right now. I was it's I right was going to say they're probably at Goodwill at this point, <laughs> yeah, man. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, you were talking about that, and I agree with you. I think there's some value again in that number five seed. It was looking a little sketchy. The Giants were really hitting their stride there, but I think the Daniel Jones injury and you know some of the other injuries on that team is is just catching up with them. And uh, it looks like Washington's really going to have to collapse here. They're in a good spot to to be that team. I think there's definitely value in the five seed. But for me, I I, I might want to play the Rams after this past week, Luke. I, or, or I want to petition the commissioner to kick the Rams out of the playoffs and just let the Bears in or something. Like, I am just appalled. Disqualified. Yes, Disqualified. You, know, you lost to the Jets. You know how I feel about the Jets. <laughs> and I am appalled. And I just, I can't even look at Jared Goff or Sean McVay or, or any, I just can't. I can't even look at a Ram logo or I, I definitely can't watch a game with the Rams. Well, you so, can't look at the Rams logo because those uniforms are hideous, first <laughs> they, of all. They're not That's great. They're not great. Oh my God. How did they, I do, I do not know. This NFL, man. The Bengals beat the Steelers and the Jets beat the Rams. What? Like, there's no, there's no picking it. I should definitely retire from sports betting. I know that. I definitely know. I that. mean, I think at the very least, maybe Trevor Lawrence is excited that he won't have to pay state income tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a little <laughs> nice weather there in Florida. The weather's a lot nicer in Florida than it is. Like, wait, you you play in New York and it's outdoors? <laughs> nah, I'm yeah. going to Jacksonville. Yeah. Sorry. No, thank you. The Jacksonville fans are kind of nutty too. There's something over there. That's not that's not too bad. I'd rather play for the Jags than the freaking Jets. I hate the Jets. Anyway. I agree. Speaking of sports betting, the Bucks nine point road favorites. They should get this one. The Lions are a, a huge mess right now. Stafford's injured. He's playing through injuries. They they don't know who their freaking coach is. Like, come on, this kind of feels like a gimme. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's tied or they're behind in the second quarter, Luke. Because this is this is the life we live uh, covering the Bucks. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I at this point I will be pleasantly surprised if we have a fast start from the Bucks. I, I don't expect it. Um, and again, the fact that Matthew Stafford's going to be there, which he wasn't last year when the Bucks beat them, will, will have an impact. But again, like you said, this is a team in disarray, man. They they just fired their special teams coach because he he called a rogue fake punt without telling anybody i mean that's the kind of stuff where just lack of organizational control just does not does not even begin to tell what's going on with that team but you know this week you know i expected the bucks to throw the ball a lot against the falcons because they have a terrible pass defense but their run defense has actually been pretty solid especially since uh raheem morris has taken over as their interim coach the good thing for the bucks this week is not only do the do the lions uh, suck at defending the pass. They suck just as much at defending the run. So uh, it should be 
you know, it, it, we're not expecting when we talked to Bruce Arians today, we're not expecting Ronald Jones back this week either because of the timeline in, in terms of the COVID protocols. Uh, so even if he's cleared, he won't be in time to play on Saturday. But um, I don't think that'll be a problem. Again, even if the Bucks have to chuck the ball around the yard, that's why they have all those weapons. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of points from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. And again, even if they have a slow start and the defense takes a little while to make some adjustments, I think uh, I would I would still take the over there. I think Patricia might have sent that trick play on the Apple watch over he just kind of texted that oh. from, from home i think i think that that's a smell do it like do it you won't do it hey luke have a great christmas and enjoy some saturday football right my man hey you do the same man thanks so much this usa today sports podcast has been presented by usa today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.